0: You're listening to Wholesaling Inc. Episode number 1096.
1: You know, and once you get in the growth phase, not getting distracted by every shiny object, sticking with it, and eventually, you know, getting to a place where you can just really hire great people to work with you.
0: This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. This is Todd Toback, and welcome to the show. We have a very special guest for you today. We have a wholesaler and a self-storage investor who has been in the business for four years But what I love about today's story is that basically Chris has doubled his business in the last year. It's on track for almost a million dollars, maybe more. He may bust through that this year, but he has got a lot to share with you. I've seen him grow tremendously in the last year. Super high profit business, low overhead, amazing team. And I got to tell you, Chris started right where you started. So if he can do it, you can do it too. So I want to welcome you to Chris Oliver. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Todd. Thanks so much for having me on. So Chris, do, uh, do me a favor. And uh, I always like to start our interviews with, you know, how did, how did you get started in real estate investing? What were you doing before this? So before this, I've been a licensed attorney for about 10 years.
1: Um, I did that primarily on my own. I started my own practice with the help of a lot of people. For about five years, that's all I was doing. I knew I wanted to do something more. Always had a uh, a real interest in real estate, whether it be construction, new development, flipping houses, always wanted to do it, just didn't know exactly how. So I had a, like I said, a, a law practice for five years. I started out on my own, did a little bit of everything, got exposure to a ton of stuff, ton of different people, everything from, you know, criminal defense, divorce, civil litigation, chapter 13, chapter seven, bankruptcy, probate, you know, just anything I could do, which you know, really ended up helping me a lot. You know, somewhere along the way, I was just seeing what all the you know other sole practitioner attorneys were doing. And it, it seemed like a lot of them were still doing the same thing 30 years later that I was doing now. And I was already getting a little bit burnt out. So I dug in a little more, found some podcasts like, you know, like yours and others and, and learned about how to find distressed sellers and, and motivated sellers. And I, I dug into that, dabbled with it for a little while. Ended up creating, you know, basically my own list, mailed it just enough to get one seller to call me back.
0: So let's stop That's there for a while. All the horses yeah. there, right? Because we're going to get into yeah. that. <laughs> but basically, you know, I, I take a look at this because you've, you know, you're an attorney, right? A lot of people go to school and they, you know, go to the undergraduate four years and obviously you went to law school. I'm assuming you took the bar in your state, right? Right. You passed yeah. it you know, now you're making a good income. I don't know. What was it? 200, 250, 300 an hour as an attorney?
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of stuff I did was kind of flat fee okay. stuff, but yeah, I mean, it's something like that. I was making a good living, right. but you know, I wanted, wanted something more. Kind of
0: trading uh, dollars for hours at that point. Definitely trading, trading my time. So you know, what was for it that sure. like the wanting, you know, the, the seeking, right? You're doing this and you're, you know, you're looking at everybody else. Cause a lot of people are like, oh, he's a lawyer. He's rich. Right. And yeah, now you want right. to jump in and now you're listening to wholesaling podcasts. Like everyone must be like, what the heck are you thinking? Right. I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know, what did mom and dad say?
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, i have great parents and they're really supportive. Always right. have been of anything I wanted to do. And, you know, of course it scared my mom to death. You know, when I even started talking about changing, I mean, I come from a background with no no attorneys, right? very blue collar background. I mean, we weren't in bad shape by any means, but not very modest. I mean, my dad cut timber for a living. My mom, you know, stayed home with us a lot, worked for the school system part time. So even when I decided to go to law school, it was pretty foreign idea to them. And, you know, I graduated college with a construction management degree in two thousand and eight, you know, most places there wasn't a lot of residential construction management going on, right. And I'd also worked for a construction company, so that's where I learned a lot of the how you know ins and outs of actual home construction. so I had that background. But also, what I learned in that job is I was not a manager. i did not I did not want to manage construction projects as my sole my main role in any kind of any kind of place. So you know, I was seeing the owner running around. Flip flops and shorts, and here I was working, you know, twelve hours a day for him. I was like, I'd I'd rather be that guy if I can. You know, how do I be that guy? Of course, I was a bit naive then, and I thought, well, you know, attorneys make a lot of money supposedly. So I, you know, nobody's hiring. You know, out of our construction program, I wasn't really a good fit for that anyway. So I thought I'll just go to law school and try to make a lot of money, and then get back into this later. Right. So went to law school. Went to night school, which is great. I was able to pay as I went, so I didn't have to incur a ton of debt. So it was mm-hmm. like a lot of people, I think, go to law school and think this is, you know, a huge commitment, which it was. But it's not like I came out with 200 grand in debt that I had to be strapped to a uh, to a you know a, a big corporate law firm job yeah. to pay it off. So I, I had that freedom. Went into it. I told my wife we got married not long after I got licensed, and I said, you know. Probably not going to do this forever, and even then, it was my plan to find something else. I just really wanted to use it as a, as a tool to gain knowledge and open some doors, and that's exactly what it what it's done for me.
0: Okay. Well, first of all, I'm going to continue with that story because here here's the crazy thing. I mean, we've talked a lot, and it seems like you know someone listening to this may think, oh my gosh, do I have to have a law degree or do I have to have a construction background, right? And it sounds like you've made some great contacts with that, right? But I want to reiterate on this show. You don't need any of that, right? It seems like Chris said that 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 did help you if you're watching uh, this on YouTube, right? Or listening to us on the podcast, you know, Chris just nodded, but the, you know, the amazing thing was it sounds like you knew what you didn't want and that kind of pushed you to maybe what you did want. So let's talk about this first deal because I know you mentioned, hey, you mailed a list and all that other stuff, right? You know, share as much as you want and, and you can keep some stuff private, but you know me, I always like to extract as much information as possible. So you decided, sure. and actually the list that you use is not that secret. <laughs> As a matter of fact, everyone right. talks about, everybody and their mother I heard talks about using this list. So I don't, I actually, I don't mind right. asking you sharing. So you decided to work one list. Is that right?
1: Right. And it began, I was going to foreclosure auctions. This was 2016, 2017. And I, my brother, I've got an older brother, and he's, he's been really successful. He's flipping houses, mm-hmm. very small operation, but very profitable. So I thought, well, I'll just do that because I had access through some of the contacts I'd made and, you know, the credibility I'd, I guess I'd, uh, I'd gained. I, I could get access to the funds, mm-hmm. but I was going to foreclosure sales and people were just paying astronomical prices. So I quickly learned that wasn't a good use of my time. I had a little experience with direct mail prior to this because, you know, I had a very heavy criminal defense practice. and. Uh, you know, it's pretty easy to find out who got arrested, shoot them a letter. So I I learned how to, you know, actually do a small direct mail campaign that way, you know, just trying to gain clients. So I was sitting in my office one day, my law office and my father-in-law was there and I was like, how do I find these, you know, these people that are getting foreclosed on? Because it's, there's a way to find them, but it's not just incredibly um, intuitive, you know, especially in Tennessee, you know, there's a specific document that's normally recorded at the trustee's office prior to the, the foreclosure being advertised in the newspaper. So I wanted to get to them as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So I began, you know, in my downtime with my law practice, I wanted to build a pre-foreclosure list. So I started, you know, just digging through the any, you know, the, the county I was in, the the Registered Deeds Office had a good online system I could dig through for substitute trustee filings mm-hmm. to try to figure out who was getting foreclosed on.
0: So I'm going to stop you right there, Chris, right? So one of the things, if you're listening to this, what Chris is basically talking about is mailing people who are in foreclosure, right? right? He's looking for people who are in foreclosure and he wants to get to them as fast as humanly possible. And so he went directly to the county in which the property resides. So there's documents that are filed and he went direct to the source. So you can buy the list or you can go directly to the source and get it a little bit faster from the county. So if you're like, oh my gosh, what's Chris talking about? That's what he's talking about, right? And how can we mail these people? Is that, am I, am I, am right. I we don't say yeah, there's
1: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You know, I had no idea if it would work. I listened to a lot of podcasts about mailing these huge mailers. You touched on it a moment ago, you know, attorney's are supposed to have a lot of money. I mean, we made a lot of money, but you don't always get to keep a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot of money left over, you know, to just invest in things, especially the first five years you are getting started. So, you know, I went in, dug through, The filings, which, you know, I didn't know how many I needed. I knew there was a time frame on how long these people may be an actual candidate to sell their house to me because they were probably getting foreclosed on. And after the house was sold at the auction, they can no longer sell it to me. So I can't remember how many I pulled. I want to say maybe I pulled 90, 60 to 90 out of one county, sent one letter. Maybe I didn't hear anything. Maybe I sent another letter. All of them got the same letter. Very simple. You know, I did mention in the letter that that I was an attorney, but I made it clear to them I wasn't, you know, trying to solicit their them as a client that I was, you know, basically just trying to buy their property. I wasn't offering any kind of foreclosure, you know, help or anything like that. Just, just simply offering to buy their their property. I had them, you know, I had, uh, I'd listened to enough podcasts that I'd put a certain phone number on the letter. It was a Google number that I had. You know, I had a program in my phone that when someone called that phone It, you know, it said foreclosure lead. And, you know, I didn't mail long at all. I think actually I mailed for a little while and quit. Maybe I mailed, mailed two mailings. Then I got fed up again. Maybe I started making a little more money. Maybe things got a little less stressful. with The law practice, I got a little lazy. But then things got a little stressful again. So I, I'm going to mail them again. So I mailed them again. And one day on a Saturday afternoon, I remember the phone finally rang. And it's a foreclosure lead. And I'm an introvert. I don't like just talking to uh, anybody on the fly, hardly. I mean, I, I'll talk to people I know, but it's tough for me to just take a, take a phone call from somebody I don't know sometimes. It's weird, but it is. And I remember I looked at it and I didn't want to answer it. I just threw it down on the, on the chair, left the message. And, uh, you know, basically it was a pre foreclosure. He told me what he owed on the property. He said he would take that much. I knew right away that I could pay that. I said, well, you know, I'll come by tomorrow. We'll we'll sign a contract. I did. And we closed it five days later.
0: Nice. How much did you make on this thing? How much should we have made or how much did we we make? Well, both. Let's do that. Let's talk about both of those. Because I think every single real estate investor has made that mistake.
1: Yeah. So I think he wanted, he owed about 90,000 on the property. And, you know, it was worth probably looking back on it. It was probably worth in the one, Fifty range at the time, which is you know now seems like kind of a tight spread. Didn't have the funds myself to just take down the ninety thousand, so I had a partner that had a HELOC, or I got a partner that had a HELOC on his house. We used his his funds to you know pay off the mortgage, get the guy out, and then the learning process definitely started after that as far as how to just you know dispose of a of an asset. <laughs> you know, we decided learning from my brother who was flipping houses himself. I thought, well, we'll just go up there on the weekends clean this thing up, do it ourselves, kind of thing. And uh, we did, and it was a terrible, terrible remodel job. And, you know, even then I thought, well, I'll just, we'll just sell it ourselves. We'll stick a sign on the front yard. We'll, we'll basically be the realtor, right? Because that'll save money. On that particular deal, you know, we ended up becoming motivated sellers ourselves. We had this money tied up. We didn't really know what it would sell for. We ended up putting a sign in the yard. Didn't really get any calls. Got a little desperate. Started calling around. Somehow found a buyer, and locked it up for like one thirty-eight. We might have had you know ten thousand dollars more. So we're maybe at one ten at that point. And then uh, of course you know they had a long inspection period. They ended up retrading us or renegotiating their price and we ended up letting it go for about an eighteen thousand dollars spread.
0: All right. Well, hey, yeah. I, first of all, I love that story. So many learning lessons. If I had to take a look at that you know, I'll share my learning lessons and then maybe you can share that with everyone who's listening, right? Number one yeah. is, uh, hey, maybe you shouldn't, you may have not even needed a partner on that one, right? Maybe, maybe right. you did, but it, the cool part about that is if you did need money, you got a partner, which was very cool, right? Yeah. The second thing is not selling it yourself. Oh man, I mean, mm-hmm. that's just, a, that's like a big no-no, right? The time yeah. and the energy. Right. And I realized every yeah. time I've tried to save money there, like I paid in spades. I remember uh, back in 2008, I bought a mobile home and my, I got my mother in law help me clean this thing, right? My mother in law, not my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, And she helped me pull weeds and, you know, like scrub the place. And I wound up taking a loss on that property too, actually. Right. Mm-hmm. But she still, we took a, um, <laughs> we took a pot, you know, for plants and it's still in her garden. So every day I say, Hey, this is, you mm-hmm. know, th- your payment for all of that. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. B- but the cool part about that was, you know, the rehabbing and doing that yourself, obviously you look back and probably think that wasn't the best use of your time. So, you know, obviously it looks like you barely made any money on that but you still kept going. And I think that's just awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was just, I was so excited that I created a lead, you know, that turned into a, to a profit, you know, even though we mishandled it, we still came away with some money. But to me, you know, it was just so eye opening that somebody would be willing to, you know, I'd heard this, but just to really find out proof that there's somebody willing to sell their property at, at that much of a discount. Right. That's the big Um, shift. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, the biggest learning things is now I barely even go to the houses if I can keep from it. I mean, I just don't have any business being there. It's not my highest level activity mm-hmm. by any means. So definitely not going to be going up there to mow the grass or cut limbs out of the trees like we were doing back then. Mm-hmm. And then definitely hiring a, either, you know, having a good, good list of buyers ready to go or or listening on the MLS. Right. But we probably left, easily left. 20 grand on the table with that
0: one. But, well, I'm glad you I mean, talked about a- listing on the MLS. We've talked a lot about that on the podcast over here and really getting the highest and best use. So, you know, I know we're going a little bit long today, but let me ask you this, because obviously that was your first deal. Now you've got a million dollar business, right? I've seen your business, you know, double in the past year. Tell us what your business looks like today. What's working really well in this market and, and, and how your business is progressing. Right, so, you know, we, we still
1: continue to mail do direct mail to pre foreclosures That's been our bread and butter for a long time. And, you know, we've, in the past year, we've branched out to some more, more, you know, high equity type lists and, and larger mail campaigns. You know, last year we made, you know, I think we, we brought in like $500,000 just on pre-foreclosure lists that, that we created, that we mailed. I mean, that, which is great because it doesn't cost hardly anything to mail that small amount. I mean, we're mailing maybe, 400 pieces a, a month. And, you know, we've kind of compounded on that list. Now we, we do try to send some text messages. We've just started cold calling the, that same list. We also uh, target some other niche lists and had some success, you know, like dismissed bankruptcy lists, probate lists that we've either bought or obtained ourselves the same way. The key to it is just being consistent, picking something, being consistent, sticking with it, and then just slowly.
0: Adding on other things. So I want to peel this back because someone new listening to this is like, oh, well, Chris was an attorney and he's got all this access to the special list and I can't do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if someone's listening to this, you know, do you have access to those lists because you're an attorney or they could go get them themselves? No,
1: anybody could get these lists for sure. And, I, you know, I've, I don't pull any of the lists myself anymore. I've trained other people to do it. They don't have to act like they're me to get them or, I mean, it's all public information. You know, you have to fight for it every now and then, meaning sometimes that public entities aren't excited about giving it to you, but it, it's there.
0: Right. It's public information directly from the county. Right. Awesome. Yeah. So, all right. So now, you know, you went from this being in a career you hated, doing that first deal, scratching and clawing, making a bunch of mistakes, which I love, focusing on one marketing channel. And I cannot emphasize that enough right? Do not try to do 20 things at once. I just love it that Chris just focused on this one and then slowly adds others. Three pieces of advice. Well, give me between one and three pieces of advice that you would give someone either just starting out or trying to grow. What are the three pieces of advice that you would give them?
1: Well, if you're just starting out, I mean, you've got to take some action you've got to do something. I mean, you you know, whatever that means for you, you there's a lot of information out there and most of it's good information. You know, there's you know, Todd's got awesome information out there. There's a lot of other people that have great information and take action and stick with it. You know, if you can't afford, you know, if you're going to do direct mail and you only have five grand, you know, don't just mail one five grand campaign and hope it hope it works and quit. You've got to pick something that you can continually do, you know, and putting yourself in some kind of either around enough information that people are, like Todd are putting out, it's gonna make you challenge some of the beliefs that are keeping you. You know, from taking action or thinking that you can actually do it is probably the biggest thing for me in the beginning. You know, and once you get in the growth phase, not getting distracted by every shiny object, sticking with it, and eventually, you know, getting to a place where you can just really hire great people to work with you.
0: That's awesome. Chris, one of the things I think I also want to mention is that uh, you're now doing some self storage. Right. Right. It seems yeah. like you're building up your net worth and cash flow doing that, yeah. you know, tell us a little bit, maybe, uh, you know, 15, 20 seconds of what that is. And then I, I gotta people in your local market, they've got to connect with you. If you want to be around a winner, if you want to do deals with a winner, you got to hook up with this guy. He is moving and shaking. And just like you talk about that environment and and being around that, you, you got to connect with Chris if you're in his market. So tell us a little bit about your self-storage and then we'll move on to how to get in touch with you.
1: Yeah. So around the same time, you know, I, I got into the, you know, the house wholesaling, and flipping, Side of things, I was also interested in self storage I think I actually got into that first around that same time. I acquired a piece of land and just you know made the decision that I was going to build self storage facility because i couldn't I didn't think I could find one to purchase at the time so um you know I built thirty thousand feet of square footage here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, you know managed and leased that up within two years, and now we're we're doubling the size of it and also, you know, it's a similar strategy to, to wholesaling houses. You just you just find a uh, a underperforming or undervalued property, put it under contract, and either wholesale it or, or keep it. I've done the same thing with a smaller facility, about two or three hours or about two hours away. Um, it was a you know very cheap purchase, two hundred fifty thousand. We put a little money into it, and it's probably valued at seven fifty now, and cash flows great. That's so awesome. I'd love to have more of those. You know, that's definitely. Something I always want to be involved in.
0: Okay, well, what markets are you buying in right now? People want to partner with you. That maybe they've got a self storage in, or they want to maybe become a member of your team wholesaling houses. What markets are you in?
1: So primarily for Wholesale and houses, we're you know middle and East Tennessee. Familiar with Tennessee? That's that makes sense to you. But really anywhere in the state, but we mainly market to middle and and Eastern Tennessee with uh, self storage. Definitely anywhere in Tennessee. And then, you know, really anywhere in the southeast, if the if the deal makes sense, you know, the way we manage the the properties that it can be managed from anywhere.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So how can they get a hold of you? The
1: best way to get a hold of me would be my
0: my email.
1: It's my first name, Chris with a K. So K-R-I-S at iBuyHousesGNA.com. Awesome, awesome.
0: Uh, by the way, if you want to reach out, you're listening to this. I am actually spending a lot of time in the Wholesaling Inc. Facebook group. So if you want to reach out to me, uh, you can always tag me, uh, look on Facebook, join the Wholesaling Inc. Facebook group on Facebook, and uh, I'd love to connect you to there. You can also hit me up on um, Instagram or Facebook at Todd Toback, and I would love to hear from you. Let me know a question that you have. Let me know a topic that you'd love to hear about, a deal, a win, a struggle, and uh, I'd love to talk about it on